1: time machine? Out of a DeLorean? We came, we saw, we kicked its ass!
0: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast podcast. I'm your host Matt Bledsoe and this week we are talking about six journeyman directors. Uh, The guys who you probably know the movies but maybe not their names. Uh, To help me talk about this, I'm joined by a guy... Whose name I'm sure most of you do know. He's the host of my favorite movie podcast at this movie. And he's the editor in chief at thismovie.com. It's Patrick Bromley. Patrick, thank you for being for yeah, Thank you so much for being here. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, Matt. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, actually. I'm excited to have this conversation with you because I know we're both passionate about the i think you've deemed them the that guy directors yeah
1: so. <laughs> that was the name i came up with
0: when i couldn't think of a better name <laughs> well it has stuck in my head because it's uh it's it kind of caught on i think so um but yeah we i know we're both fans of these guys and they are not celebrated nearly enough i know you've done a lot of good things uh talking about them and uh writing articles so um yeah i was i can't with this idea i was like well patrick's the guy for this job so thank you for accepting this invite and being here <laughs> thank you so much for having me it's a pleasure so yeah, I just want to ask right off the bat. Um, I'm curious, have you have you always kind of been a fan and appreciative of these type of guys, like when you were younger and getting into movies? Or was this more of a was this a later in life trend where you're like, you know, these guys whose names we are, not you know, household names, they're pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like I was a fan of their movies before I
1: was a fan of them. So mm-hmm. growing up, I was a fan of their movies. And then as I got older, I started connecting the dots and being like, oh, OK, so so that guy made that movie and he made that movie. Um, and so that's kind of how I came up with the, the name that guy directors, because it was like I didn't know their names, but it was that guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it became more of a formal study as I got older. Um, and certainly some of these filmmakers uh, that we're going to talk about, I got... <clears throat> excuse me, I'm joking. Uh, I got more into their films um, probably later in life because uh, um, I'm I'm so sorry. I'm like, I choked on nothing here. Um, Oh, you're
0: fine. I hope you're okay. (laughs) No, I'm
1: fine, but it's making it hard to talk. It's making it sound like I'm getting choked up talking about these guys. And as much as they mean to me, I'm not quite to the point of tears yet. Um, <laughs> some of them I did explore later on, thanks to things like June's loitation and stuff, because of the kinds of movies that they make. you know, as i as I ventured further out into the fringes of genre cinema, I discovered more and more of their films. Um,
0: but it's definitely been kind of a lifelong passion of mine. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I will not pretend to be cool here. And I I mean, again, I like these guys movies, I think when I was younger. Um, but I definitely think listening to this movie and reading your articles kind of pushed me to, to kind of explore their film, filmographies further, because a lot of their filmographies don't have a, I mean, a through line that makes a lot of sense. If that, I mean, I'm not trying to, <laughs> it sounds what yeah. I mean to me, but like, they, they just, they're they're guys that just work, you know what I mean? Right, and they're, right. they're not the auteurs who come up with their own ideas. Like, um, one guy we're going to talk about, I won't say it yet, but he has filmography that like uh, goes from what's right before it. He has a, like a kid's movie uh, right after like an action movie, you know, it's like, uh, there's just kind of all these, you know, they jump from whatever because you know, they're working directors. It's kind of like, I mean, it's the same idea with that guy actors they pop up and stuff because they they are working, you know? So exactly. And I feel like uh, these guys, this is kind of a broader topic, but these guys are kind of, I don't want to say like uh, a dying breed. That sounds really gloomy, but (laughs) I I look at their filmographies later, like past the 2000s, definitely the 2010s. I mean, a lot of them too are getting older, but still there's just like, I, I was having trouble coming up with like modern day, that guy directors. A lot of these guys, I feel like their peaks were all in the late eighties, into the nineties, that kind of thing. So I, I get, I'm sure that's a lot to do with studio systems and, Th- budgets and all that stuff you guys yeah. talk about all the time about mid budget movies disappearing and like so right. there's not, not a work for guys like these i don't do you have any examples of modern day that guy directors i, I mean
1: <laughs> most of them are probably working in like the direct-to-video market and tend to specialize in action which i would say a lot of the the that guy directors that we're going to talk about tonight um gravitate towards action films or at least those are the films of theirs that i tend to celebrate um but i mean there's like john Himes or jesse v johnson or like people who are just working filmmakers working in genre but they're not they don't bounce around in quite the same way that you pointed out a lot of these original that guy directors did um you know these guys are the uh (coughs) you know somebody like um I mean, I don't know. I don't want to give away anybody that we're talking about, but, you know, it's like the Michael Curtiz of the video store, you know, like Michael Curtiz (laughs) bounced around from genre to genre and movie to movie, and he could make any kind of movie great. And these guys are doing the same thing, but they're doing it for kind of B pictures and exploitation and action and stuff like that. Um, And I don't think a lot of the, you know, the, the more modern would be that guy directors tend to be a
0: little bit more specialized, if that makes sense. No, that does make a lot of sense. And I, yeah, the DTV thing is a good, those those are the kind of that guys. Unfortunately, they don't get 30, $40 million budgets. Right, exactly. <laughs> which right. I'm sure they're very capable of making a movie in that realm and it'd probably be great, but that's just not there, which is just kind of a problem with the, you know, larger problem with studios and everything. So exactly, the whole thing. Uh, one guy I did pitch to you um, as kind of an alternate from our six that I think is kind of fits his mold is Antoine Fuqua. The stuff he's doing, because it's yeah. like, he. I, I mean, his work's up and down, I think. But I'm yeah, actually, I I'm, think that's what it is for me. Is like I <laughs> just understandable. Yeah, I've yet
1: to totally love an Antoine Fuqua movie, but
0: uh <laughs> I was. But, like, I'm, well, but I'll ex- always yeah. be
1: willing to see an Antoine Fuqua movie. You know what I mean? Uh-huh, so that yeah. kind of puts him in this category because no matter what he does, I'll want to see it. It's just he hasn't totally clicked for me yet
0: understandable I, I was thinking about his filmography and i'm like oh i think i like a lot more of his movies than i don't like because i actually like both equalizer movies i like his uh magnificent seven remake sure. yeah uh i just watched replacement killers again um that's a good one my god what a <laughs> like total yeah. john woo ripoff but on fat they try to make him a cool they did a great job uh <laughs> and uh i still like training day a lot so i'm like oh he gets more than he misses but um he still gets a budget gets to work with stars but um yeah it's just just not much of a thing anymore but man it really peaked as we'll talk about in 80s into the 90s it was yeah you guys were killing it so um okay well no, we can we can just jump in we got six guys talk about the ideas we're going to go down this list uh i'm gonna let patrick lead here and pick the names and the idea is to pick our favorite movie from each guy um i already told patrick beforehand that i was like i have two for each guy no problem so we can talk about more movies instead of less movies so in case we match on a favorite i have backups i'm happy to talk about all of them <laughs> so oh boy yeah (laughs) so um yeah go ahead which guy do you want to start with
1: well gosh one of the hallmarks of a that guy director is that he uh uses his middle initial (laughs) in his credit because at least half (laughs) of the filmmakers we're going to talk about uh do that exactly so i guess let's start with um mark l lester okay yeah (laughs) um who kind of got his start on the drive-in scene making stuff like truck stop women and stunts uh before graduating to the big time and working for studios in the 80s and then in the 90s he kind of went back to the dtv market um I tend to love a lot of his movies. I was very close to picking Extreme Justice because I really like Extreme Justice and I was excited to shine a light on it, but I rewatched it literally just an hour
0: ago. I saw that I was like, oh, I think you yeah, can watch it. Yeah, and I was it. like, <laughs> I
1: don't think I can, I don't think I can put it above my number one pick. So my number one pick for him, my favorite movie from Mark L. Lester is actually gonna be Firestarter. Oh, okay. Which has been in the conversation lately because that remake just came out in theaters and on Peacock and I still haven't gotten up the nerve to watch it um but it was interesting when the remake was announced there was a lot of like well good they're remaking it because the original sucks and then the remake came out and it was like well the original isn't that bad because the remake is terrible (laughs) and the the biggest the biggest knock against the remake seems to be that it isn't directed by john carpenter which i just think is a weird thing to Mm -hmm. hold against a movie like i don't like you movie because you weren't made by somebody else um (laughs) it's true yeah it's a good point (laughs) you know i don't like uh i I don't know cliffhanger because it's not made by steven spielberg like well no it's not but let's talk about (laughs) the movie that it is um so firestarter you know it's it's i get that like sometimes it looks like a made for tv movie I get that it's a little on the long side, but I think the relationship between David Keith and Drew Barrymore really, really works. I love the Drew Barrymore performance. I love all the father-daughter stuff. I think the pyrotechnics are outstanding. And when that movie goes crazy, you know, near the end, uh, Mark L. Lester really cuts loose with the practical fire effects. And it is amazing. It has an incredible tangerine dream score. I've been a big fan of Firestarter for many, many years. Um Uh, I wrote an article on F this movie about how much I love it. So it was nice to kind of pull that off, uh, you know, and dust that off when they announced the remake and say, no, some of us have loved the original for a long time. Um, So I think it's a good example of what he could do with some studio
0: backing. Yes. I'm so glad you brought this up. And I'm so glad that I just watched this movie for the first time a week ago. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I went in, I mean, I've heard bad things about it for years. And of course the, the Carpenter thing like looms over it which is unfair sure. it's totally yeah unfair. um and I went in with pretty low expectations I really liked it <laughs> yeah good I'm on the bandwagon with you I was like jaw on the floor for the finale like I did not expect oh but my god it's so great when there's like a man's body launched off of god knows what into a tree <laughs> into a tree <laughs> I was like holy shit you go Markel <laughs> Lester um I I was I, I wasn't I was in it pretty much up to that point anyway and then the finale happened and I was like hands on my head jaw on the floor like yes like applauding <laughs> yeah like, then I kind of I mean like I was like why is everyone shooting on this movie I'm like this I yeah, I was into the the, the father bishop was very emotional I was very uh I, I genuinely like teared up something happens near the end I was like yeah. oh I didn't expect this um I was really surprised by it cause I, maybe lower t- expectations helped but I really <laughs> sure I really enjoyed it and I mean uh I, of course, I still I would love to see the John Carpenter version if that was somehow possible without erasing the Markel Lester version, but because um, I love John Carpenter, but you know, it's like right. I'm totally happy with the version we got, and I'm I guess I'm glad people at least are reappraising it, you know, now that the new one came out. I've heard nothing but bad things, and I haven't got the I didn't want it's on Peacock, and I still haven't watched it. It's sitting right there. <laughs> I know that's the same with me. It's like it's <laughs> free, it's in
1: my house, and I'm still like,
0: Ugh. I know it's insane. It's like pre-COVID. That's definitely a movie. I would have gone to the theater to see like in a heartbeat because I feel like I see every horror movie in a theater right, anyway, but right. that one, it's it's at home now. And I'm like, yeah, I can't be bothered. Uh, Even I like think- post COVID when COVID
1: first started, I think I spent $20 to rent Vin Diesel's bloodshot. <laughs> I was like, I don't care. It's new. And it's, I, I can watch it in my home. And yeah. now they're giving me the
0: shit for free. And I'm just like, pass. No, thanks. Yeah. It's like, I'll pay $20. Yeah. I, I think I saw bloodshot. No, I did see bloodshot in a theater. Last thing oh I boy. saw, along with The Hunt, a double feature. Oof. And then I, yeah, I know. Uh, it was, <laughs> but it was a weird day. It was like, we all knew that they were closing, but, or think, you know, things were bad. It was right, like, we're right, going right. these movies now. And I think, this is really going to make you laugh, that my roommate didn't see it. And I think he wanted to see Bloodshot. So I think we paid to own Bloodshot <laughs> for $25. <laughs> I haven't watched it since uh, he wanted to watch it and I think we split it or something. I don't know. It, it was a weird time. Uh, so, <laughs> um, yeah. Firestar is great. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, because again, people should definitely check it out and just pro- forget about the John Carpenter thing. Just pro- let it go. It's okay. Like, uh,
1: And I totally get that. You know, if you're expect, if you want a John Carpenter movie, like Mark L Lester is certainly a poor man's John Carpenter. Like he is not, <laughs> a sufficient replacement to most people for John Carpenter. But for somebody like me, who's a huge Mark L. Lester fan, it's like, oh, I get to watch Mark L. Lester do a Stephen King adaptation on a studio budget. That's amazing. (laughs) Um, So for me, it's it's punching upwards. You know, Um, I I would love to see the movie that Carpenter was going to make. And apparently his score is the best thing about the remake. So I may check it out just for that. Uh, But yeah, I I really like the original. And we didn't even talk about George C. Scott. He is unhinged. He is uh, giving one of the most insane performances in a studio movie of the 1980s.
0: Very true. My friend uh, watched it close when i watched because he wanted to watch the remake and he wanted to watch the original and he texted me and said georgie scott's making me very uncomfortable with this movie and i said <laughs> yeah that me too i think that it it's working then i think so um yeah it's insane i mean i yeah i really enjoyed it um um so if, i don't have anything else on Firestarter. i don't if we do do my pick now and i think my yeah, pick is, is going to come from my heart too because there's there's a movie in his filmography that that i feel like most people think is like head and shoulders his Best movie, and I'm not going to pick it.
1: But um, I think I, I know the movie you're talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a great also. It's a great movie. Uh, but I I'm going to go with my heart here, and I'm going to pick Showdown, Little Tokyo. Yes, it's one of the most entertaining action movies, and I just rewatched it for this, and I think I love it more every time I watch it. Um, it it just it has no fat on it at all it I mean it's an hour and 15 minutes long without the credits it's right like, it flies by there's not a minute of wasted anything on the screen um I tweeted something about like I wish there was more Dolph Lunger and Brandon Lee movies because I do love them as a duo and I think they're genuinely like they have chemistry and they're funny together and they're great action stars <laughs> like yeah um and I yeah I mean I so the other way I was teasing, if people do know, was Commando with Schwarzenegger, which right. I'm on record. I went on Daniel's podcast and we did like an action marathon fest thing. And and the idea was to do like a 24 like like you've done. It was that was the inspiration it was like your okay. 24 hour marathons. And uh, I started he, I had the first spot, which I'm like, oh, this is a tough spot to start the marathon off. And I picked Commando because I'm like, it is a meat potatoes action movie with one of the biggest action stars ever. Maybe the biggest. And I think it's great, but I I don't know. I Showdown Little Tokyo kind of has my heart. I don't know why. And uh, it has one of the greatest signs of all time in a movie when Brandon Lee tells Dolph Lundgren, you have the biggest dick I've ever seen on a man. And I mean, <laughs> how, how do you beat that? So, Dolph
1: Lundgren's dick gets third billing in that movie, which I thought was
0: <laughs> a
1: respectful choice
0: on the part of director Marco Lester. fell felt bad for Tia Carrera that she was... Fourth build after the penis. <laughs> well, she got it. She understood. She, <laughs> she saw it. He signed off on it. Uh <laughs> just, um, yeah, I just I don't know. I i can't remember. I'm sounding you're a fan of this one. I can't remember your thoughts on it, but oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah. No, I you know, again, I give him credit for seeing something in Brandon Lee who's gonna come up again probably later, um, <laughs> and wanting to make him a movie star in giving Dolph Lundgren a vehicle to be a star. Only a handful of filmmakers did that, you know, sort of pre-DTV era. Um, and uh, it's it's Commando is great. Commando means so much to me. It was like the first rated R movie I ever saw. It is the quintessential 80s action movie in so many ways. But Showdown in Little Tokyo, like colors outside the lines in really interesting ways.
0: And I could totally see preferring it. <laughs> yeah it's just got that i don't know if weird's the right word it's got this comedic bend that i don't think people would expect and i think it's like genuinely funny i don't think it's uh I, it's like it's trying to be funny and it is funny basically and uh yeah right right uh, and it's i don't know i just i have such a fun time with that movie and it's like it's again just no fat it's an hour and 15 minutes of just pure entertainment <laughs> and i really enjoy it and i I am jealous you've seen Extreme Justice because I've, I've been trying to see Extreme Justice for years and it's been very hard to see. I don't know if it's an S- out-of-print DVD or something.
1: Yeah, I think the DVD is out-of-print. I have some weird like 10-pack of oh. <laughs> uh, like DTV action movies um, spread out over like two discs, and Extreme Justice is one of them. The other nine movies are garbage, but I hang on to it because it's my only copy of Extreme Justice. It's like a... VHS level full frame transfer everything about it sucks like (laughs) I wish Vestron would do one of their blu-rays for it because it has like it is like the extreme prejudice of the DTV pack like in terms of the cast everybody that shows up is somebody you're excited to see in a movie Uh, it's it's crazy with squibs Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's uh, Markel Lester man he he knows what I like about him is it's like he asks himself before every project and not every one of his movies is great, especially later in his career. But even some of like something like Armed and Dangerous, I didn't grow up loving, so I don't have the, the nostalgia for it. And I don't think it totally works. Like, I don't think he's super well suited for a comedy like that. Mm-hmm. But I think when he's working in other genres, I think it's like he sits down before the movie and asks himself, OK, what is everything that somebody would want? out of a movie like this and then he just fucking delivers that <laughs> whether it's Class of 1984 or Truck Stop Women or Firestarter or Showdown in Little Tokyo or Commando or whatever he he does nothing but bangers uh in terms you know in, in, in when his movies are great i again right, i recognize right. that not every single one of his movies is a home run but uh he's got a lot of good ones and they really deliver on what they need to deliver on
0: uh, yes i agree and he has the he might have the longest career overall of any of these guys because he started back in the early 70s as you mentioned yeah. he was like a driving guy yeah uh and i still haven't seen a lot I, I think any of his 70s stuff i really want to see one called stunts for this with uh yeah Robert stunts Forster. is good yeah okay it sounded pretty cool i was like this sounds like a markel lester movie like oh totally uh, yeah like it sounded pretty great um and it, it's weird too because i mean there's like a fall-off point for all these guys and it looks like markel lester like After Extreme Justice, it's a lot of straight to video. Yeah. Or a lot of, he did a lot of like sci fi stuff in the 2000s, like Pterodactyl and Poseidon Rex. And um, he's getting out there. I think he's born in the 40s. I saw it. It's like he might be retired. I don't know. But um, it always bumps me out. I'm like, well, what happened that it just no more opportunities after Extreme Justice? It looks like. I mean, there were things, but nothing with that kind of cast or things like that. So I don't know. But he had a, a really great run for a while there. So, um, he did
1: yeah. yeah from the 70s through the the kind of early to mid 90s he really left it all on the table
0: yeah yeah so he's yeah he's pretty great i gotta watch that early 70s stuff too so um and yes commando still rules even though neither one was picked it as our
1: favorite but <laughs> well uh, it, it also kind of becomes the obvious choice and so both right. of us are like well
0: here's an opportunity to spotlight something that maybe isn't the most obvious choice you know exactly exactly yeah commando to me is like it was not my favorite but it's, it's like the quintessential to me 80s action movie 100 <laughs> like, and no fat on that movie either every watched that one too it's like oh my god this movie just like gets right into it and goes and it's great so um yeah yeah okay um who uh who do you want to do next let's see um no not
1: another initial guy <laughs> let's do one of my
0: favorites uh steven hopkins ah yes okay <laughs> Yes. Did he have a J in his name at some point? Was he Stephen J. Hopkins or am I imagining that? <laughs> I think you're thinking of Stephen J. Cannell. That's probably what produced I produced a lot of TV. <laughs> probably what I am you know. Yeah. Um, um,
1: yeah. Stephen Hopkins is a guy who it took a, a, a particular screening of a movie for me to fully appreciate because Adam Risky and myself went to a double feature at the sin apocalypse uh festival here in chicago that doesn't exist i don't think anymore but a couple of years ago it did and we saw a double feature of demon night and judgment night and stephen hopkins was there and he told these stories and he just was an incredible guy, an incredible speaker and seemed like so down to earth and told these stories about like punching out Peter Green for being a racist. And uh, and that was awesome because uh, Peter Green is a scary dude, but Stephen <laughs> Hopkins laid him the fuck out. And um, so he was somebody who then I kind of began reassessing some of his work because I was like, well, I like a lot of these movies, but again, I never put it together that the same person was responsible for all of them. I knew who he right. was and, okay. and none of his movies ever fully broke through. You know, he was one of these guys that did a lot of studio things and always came close to, to breaking through, but never quite did. Um, my pick for him is a movie that, that I already named, and that's Judgment Night. Uh, which has again an incredible cast trying to survive a night in Chicago, fighting off <laughs> a villainous Dennis Leary <laughs> and Everlast from House of Pain. Uh, I wish I, I was, was in that, yeah. but I'm I... not. Yeah, he's he's like the number two henchman. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> Judgment Night these days is kind of remembered best for its soundtrack, which is this really cool collaboration between uh hip-hop artists rap artists and alternative bands so you have like Pearl Jam and Cypress Hill and Helmet and House of Pain doing songs together and Slayer and Ice-T um and the soundtrack is really cool it's a really unique concept and I feel like the soundtrack has kind of outlived the movie in Mm -hmm. recent years I hear it talked about a lot more people are like oh wait yeah that movie fucking rules um maybe because the blu-ray came out or maybe people are just kind of nostalgic for a certain kind of action movie that they made in the 90s um but judgment night is pretty awesome and another one of those movies that like doesn't fuck around it gets into his premise pretty early on these guys are going to a bachelor party uh, and they, I think, is it a bad, no, it's not a bachelor party. It's just like it's a, a
0: boxing match, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Boxing. Okay. Match. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they get lost. I'm confusing it with very bad things because when you have Jeremy <laughs> Piven in your party, bad things, happen. bad shit's going <laughs> to happen. Yeah, exactly. Don't invite him he, along. I don't he's know. He's going to get you lost or he's going to kill a hooker. Maybe both. Yeah, Possibly both. <laughs> and, uh, so the, yeah, and they get uh, kind of lost and wind up witnessing a murder And so Dennis Leary and his thugs spend the rest of the night hunting them down. And um, it makes Emilio Estevez kind of a badass, which I didn't totally think was possible, but apparently Emilio (laughs) Estevez was like Stephen Hopkins said like, Emilio Estevez is the toughest one of all of them in real life. He's the guy you do not want to fuck with, which I was fascinated by. He didn't really elaborate on it, but I was like,
0: <laughs> "What could that mean?" Well, I need elaboration on that. You just <laughs> right? drop that and be like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> Coach Gordon Bombay? Like, what? <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, Judgment Night is just a lot of a uh, lot of you know, posturing and swagger and attitude, and uh, uh, it, it kicks all kinds of ass
0: yeah it's it's good I I'm pretty sure I watched it because of you guys talking about it and you're you, you did a whole episode on it correct if I remember you and Adam yeah we did yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh I'm sure I watched it because of that because I hadn't seen it before and I definitely liked it but I don't think I had like the magic viewing where it's mm-hmm. like this blows my mind but yeah. um I need to watch it again uh because I think it got a blu-ray since then or cast, did, yeah. maybe yeah. yeah and uh yeah I, I definitely enjoyed it it's very entertaining the cast is fun the cast is like <laughs> it kind of feels almost like a random mishmash of people. Like it's like if you said the names out loud, I'd be like, what movie is? This? <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. we've got Cuba Jr., Emilio Estevez, Jeremy Piven, Dennis Leary. I'm like, is it a comedy? It's like, no, no, not really. Uh, you know it's <laughs> like? Um, but it's it's a fun cast. It's thing outside the box, I feel like, you know, it's not like no one there. I'm trying to remember, I don't think anyone feels like a like a real tough guy, tough guy. You know what I mean? It's right. on the surface. So um a very fun movie, a Chicago movie. I think I figured that probably be your pick. I know you liked it. It's it's uh, <laughs> a good Chicago movie. Um that's another thing a few of these movies have in common, weirdly enough. Between directors, a lot of Chicago in the late 80s, early yeah, 90s. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's going to come up again. But I was just like, what? Like, the theme here is Chicago. <laughs> do it it's a great because, like, city. I need to go. I, won't, I went when I was someone took me, and I was like two. So I don't think it counts that I went. Nah, but it, doesn't I, count, I yeah. it doesn't count. I know it doesn't count. I got to go back. I, uh, I've heard great things. Um, it seems like a very cool city. So. You got to
1: come and have the full Judgment Night experience. <laughs> it's a rite of passage for all of us who live here.
0: Oh, okay. This is good. I'll bring on our my
1: 18th birthday. We get dropped into the middle of the city, and Dennis Leary hunts us
0: down for a night. So <laughs> he's doing his his stand up bits about cheeseburgers and <laughs> exactly. cigarettes. Exactly, uh, guys. I hear him coming. Um, I, <laughs> I I I need to go. I need to avoid that area. I don't know where that was in Chicago, but um, no, I feel like you guys pointed out like in the episode. You're like why would someone trying to be get here, but they're going this way? It makes no sense. Like Chicago geography. Um, But I was like, yeah, sure. Um, uh, But yes, it's a very cool movie. It definitely, I I heard about the soundtrack way before I ever saw the movie. The soundtrack was definitely legendary. I felt like it was this like rap rock fusion thing um, that, and then I was like, oh, there's a movie attached to this. (laughs) And um, yeah, no, it's it's a very cool movie. Um, I, I was gonna say about Stephen Hopkins that, yeah. He's interesting because he has a lot of different things in his filmography and he kind of a couple times gets maybe saddled. Isn't the right word. He gets two times in a row. He gets saddled with like, Hey, step into this very popular right. franchise, make a sequel. And the sequel, I don't think is well received. My, I'll, I'm curious about my pick because I, I was too young. I don't know how it was received, but, um, and then he, he almost broke through. He has like three good shots. I yep. feel like, uh, with "Blown Away" and "Ghosts in the Darkness" and "Lost in Space," because I watched yeah. "Blown Away" for this, because um, I, I think it's the only one. Yeah, it's the only one I really hadn't seen of his like his major stuff, and I didn't really love it. I really, <laughs> I thought no, I was, it. No, like, it doesn't totally work. No, it's. It, I felt like that was. It's a year after "Fugitive." I almost felt like maybe because Tommy Lee Jones was in it, but it was. It almost <laughs> felt like this could have been his "Fugitive." Like it's kind of. It's not a, a straight action movie. It's more of a thriller drama with with some action obviously but it kind of felt like it could have been like his you know you're working with really great actors it kind of feels a little classier air quotes you know it's like this is your big time kid and then like I saw it bombed pretty badly yeah so I was like oh well that sucks and then (laughs) Ghost in the Darkness which I actually really like um it's good okay I thought it was not popular I don't know (laughs) like
1: no uh, I I don't think it's a super popular movie um and again the that blu-ray just came out and I think oh yeah because it all it had was like a non-anamorphic DVD. So I think we'll start to see some reassessment of that movie. But it's yeah. totally solid in like an old fashioned way.
0: Yeah, definitely. And funny enough, when I it's like the, one of the few movies my girlfriend introduced me to because we met, she was like, have you ever seen Ghost of the Darkness? And I was like, no, that's random. <laughs> but she's <laughs> like, my dad loved this movie. I've seen it so many times we had to watch it. And I was like, this is pretty great. Um, and I was I was in a Lost in Space when I was a kid. That's all that in theater. I had toys from it. Nice, uh, you know. And it it didn't take like a, I guess they wanted to. I don't know if it bombed terribly or just didn't probably do what they wanted. But um, I'm looking at the box office now because I forgot. Yeah. But um, I remember it unseated Titanic, and that was a big deal. Oh, that was like yeah, the IMDb trivia was like one of the first things. I uh, okay. Um, okay. It, it cost eighty million and made 136 million worldwide. So that's you know that's not a bomb it's just right. you know, I, I critics do not like it i remember that but um 11 year old me enjoyed it so, so there. yeah so- it,
1: th- that movie's problem is i think it's script because i think on paper there's so many elements there i think the design is cool i think the casting is smart i think stephen hopkins directs it well i just think you know it's written by akiva goldsman and so it's doomed to suck a little bit <laughs> and uh yeah. There's a lot of stuff in it that it that works, and I would consider myself a fan of it overall. But I recognize it's many flaws.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I need to revisit. It. It's been a very long time, but I remember thinking it was pretty fun. Um, I've talked all around these things. I haven't done my pick yet. I realize, but um, my favorite of his genuinely is Predator Two, movie yeah, that was my runner up. Okay uh my runner-up was judgment night so i we were, oh, okay Fred, there you go there you go um i love predator 2 i it's one of these weird situations where i'm pretty sure i somehow saw predator 2 first when i was younger and saw it a lot because it was like an hbo staple or something it felt like it was on way more than the first predator and i was there was a time when i liked predator 2 more than the first predator I've since changed my mind, on that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, prior to is still great. Cause I think so. It's like, Hey, Stephen Hopkins, we're going to give you this big opportunity to follow up predator, but that's kind of a blessing and a curse because it's like, right. we don't have Arnold back. Uh, it's like, you know, do this. It's a lot of pressure. I feel like, um, but I love how they just kind of just take it and just do everything's like the opposite. It's like, it's not a jungle. It's a city. Uh, Danny Glover is a very different kind of action hero than Arnold. Um, it's like they're trying to do something different because you can really drop the predator into all these scenarios and make it interesting. And I, I think it's a very cool movie. I love that setting of like L.A. during a heat wave. Um, I love Taney Glover is like a believable guy who like gets very tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Running around Sweats the city, the whole movie, so much sweat. Everybody yes. looks so goddamn hot like from the from minute <laughs> one it's one of the movies i think of when i think of like this looks like it genuinely was like 100 degrees outside every day because everyone's just constantly sweaty and danny glover's just like doing his best to like chase his predator and like yeah. he's just like i shouldn't be in this situation i'm just a normal guy and um yeah i don't and i again i i don't know i don't think this is well received when it came out you probably could tell me better i don't remember um because when i was younger i was like prayer 2 is great and i didn't know i didn't know what the critical consensus was or the the public consensus but i got the impression it did it definitely was in most people's mind a downgrade
1: yeah i think so critically and commercially it was a step down uh isn't it so great that like Once upon a time, you just lived in
0: a bubble where you just liked stuff and you didn't have to hear about what other people thought of it first. It was great. Yeah, that was me with uh, also with Last Action Hero when I was like a kid because I thought it was the greatest movie ever made. And I still kind of do. But years (laughs) later, I found out I was like, oh, critics hated this. I was like, what are they doing? It bombed? I was like, how did this bomb? What are we doing? Um, Because to me, it was like, "I I, sorry to go on a tangent, but I think the case that I think that movie worked so well, people my age like who were very young when it came out because we totally bought into the Arnold is the biggest star he's a hero you know and like to me I was like this was not him hyping up his own ego at all I didn't know anything about that I was like no he's Arnold Schwarzenegger he's like the biggest action star in the world it's all true and uh I know people got annoyed by the kid but to me that kid was an older kid you know I'm like six or seven he's like 12 and I'm like oh he's an older kid uh so I thought he was cool like everything about it worked it's only people who were older at the time it didn't work as well but to me it was like the greatest thing ever and i still love it but yeah i lived in this bubble for a long time where i didn't know that movie did badly and was not liked and i was like what so oh the good old days of pre. (laughs) (laughs) and that's the nice thing about you know revisiting a lot of these older movies is that none of that
1: shit matters like how it was received how much money it made like the movie is the movie and it stands on its own and so yeah predator 2 still kicks ass regardless of the critical or box office consensus of the day we can watch predator 2 now you know almost 40 years later and just be like no this movie is awesome and Stephen hopkins is an excellent
0: filmmaker yeah he's a very good director and like yeah all these movies that we've kind of mentioned are different in some way i feel like and um directs them very well i mean that's a common theme with all these guys i feel like i feel like all their movies have a real energy to them for the Mm -hmm. most part and they have like it has an urgency which might have been like i'm sure a hallmark a lot of these guys uh with one example that will, will come up but a lot of these guys were like get this done for this budget um knock it out a lot of times i think it, uh, the, the goal was like make this action star look really good and cool uh, i think was part of the goal for a couple of these guys um like they had like directives i feel like and it was like do this do yeah. that and they're like knock it out great um and i've really started to come around nightmare five the hopkins bump nice I <laughs> yeah hopkins bump exactly <laughs> um and i think he directs the shit out of that movie and again a hard situation because it's a fifth entry in a franchise and right. it's like, what do you do? I know four was very successful financially. Um, and they it,
1: took away his shooting days. They took away his budget. Right. I mean, yeah. it helps to have some context. And then you watch that movie and you're like, well, he worked miracles with what he had.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that franchise is probably a franchise. I'm I, I like the most overall. Cause I I'm, I'm not a big supporter, <laughs> but Freddie's dead. I don't think is the worst thing. <laughs> It's not okay. my race. Um, it's my least favorite. It's my least favorite. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. um, if that's the bottom, you know, I'm still like, it's all right. But um, yeah, five, I really, five is a weird kind of cool entry. I think it's very dark on it. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. Um, so he's good. I don't, again, this is gonna be a, a theme too with a lot of these guys. It looks like Stephen Hopkins has moved to TV yeah. in the past decade or so. Cause like the reaping might be his last like theatrical. And the reaping is not great. <laughs> almost watched it for this and then kind of thought i don't think we're as much time in the reaping, so I could probably no
1: leave. his his 90s were kind of where it was at like he kind of ran the 90s and then since then like i i give him all the credit for like moving over to x files and he or x files 24 and he's set oh, for okay. life because of 24 um but yeah the reaping is not great
0: okay <laughs> I'll, I'll keep putting on the back burner at some point until it's like the last steven hopkins movie i he actually might be the last one I haven't watched, but I, I'm sure eventually I'll be like, oh, throw the reaping on. It's October. Why not? <laughs> but um, I mean, I guess the TV thing is it's at least good that they get to work. You know, it's like sure. somewhere. I just wish they were doing theatrical movies with, you know, decent sized budgets. not crazy. Just 30, 40, 50 million, somewhere in there. Um, maybe, you know, it's just like so, yeah, at least he can work on TV. But um,
1: I never but. saw his... Um... He did a movie for HBO called The Life and Death of Peter Sellers with Jeffrey Rush. And I want to say Charlize Theron, oh,
0: okay. but
1: I never saw it. And I think it's a little hard to come by now, ah, okay. but it's a biopic about Peter Sellers, obviously that again, sounds kind of out of his wheelhouse because mm-hmm. he's more of kind of a, a muscular action oriented
0: director. Um, so I'd be curious to check it out, but I never have. Yeah. I kind of, I missed that one in his filmography here, but, um, That's interesting. Yeah, that is definitely out of his wheelhouse, but that's, that's interesting. So, um, okay. Um, so yeah, Stephen Hopkins also rules, uh, (laughs) Hopkins bump, uh, Um, okay. Who, who do you want to go to next? Um, all right. I'll probably
1: do, well, I should do another initial. We should bounce back and forth. Oh yeah. Initials. (laughs) We have enough. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, let's do, um, Craig R. Baxley. Oh yes. Stunt coordinator (laughs) turned director who again just made like three consecutive home (laughs) runs and then he still directs but it's like shit I would never see right do I have
0: that right yeah you're right I was gonna say my kind of note for for him is like he had probably the smallest group of movies to pick from it's a very tight window of like three bangers in a row and then like nothing really afterwards that looks that interesting I I don't know what happened if those movies all kind of Bombed and it's like, well, you're done, you know. But um right. I I really like all three of these movies. I even I re-watched um Dark Angel, I come like in peace. I don't, I don't know what to call it. Um the Dolph And I liked it more this time than I'd ever liked it um before. It kind of didn't work for me before, but but um yeah, after it's so weird. I'm like, how do you get these three movies? He does odd TV movies, including yeah. a movie I really like that scared the shit out of me as a kid called Storm of the Century. Stephen which king i've action. never seen i know yeah that's
1: a stephen king one that i've never seen i think i own the dvd and have never
0: watched it the ending has been burned into my brain since it came out <laughs> like <laughs> it's uh i thought it was pretty good and my memory is that i was a kid but i remember like thinking it was pretty pretty great but yeah everything else is like again tv episodes or tv movies and um but yeah what i'm curious now what your favorite will be we only have like I would say three to pick from, so I'm curious. Yeah, I feel
1: bad if I'm stealing yours, but it's okay. I'm going
0: to go with Stone Cold. That's OK. That's I the other my other pick. They're like they're like tied, basically. So this is fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, any of the three is almost
1: like a totally acceptable pick because I think they're all awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Darker. I Come in Peace, you know, has kind of a sci fi bent, whereas the other two are more straightforward action movies. Um, I think one, the one that I'm assuming you'll be picking, should have like launched a franchise. Oh, uh-huh. yep. <laughs> Stone Cold, I get why it didn't, because Brian Bosworth does not have a ton of charisma, but I just love it as a novelty. So Brian Bosworth, formerly of the Seattle Seahawks, <laughs> uh, plays a cop who goes undercover as a biker to take down a biker gang led by Lance Henriksen and William Forsyth um again just all kinds of practical stunts because when you get somebody who worked formally as a stunt coordinator you're going to get cool shit you know mm-hmm. like it's it's like hiring a second unit director to hire to to direct your movie and uh he's going to really go for broke in terms of the stunts and the practical, you know, uh, squibs and explosions and fire and people flipping off of bikes and driving <laughs> but motorcycles through windows and into moto dragons, right into helicopters, you know, you're oh, going to get Zubas and you're going to get the fade haircuts. You're going to get mullets and <laughs> mullets, everything that is great about the world. Um yeah no i mean
0: stone cold is just a, a total classic i love it i love it too i love it, it's, it this is becoming like a showdown little Tokyo situation with stone cold where it's like i've the more i watch it the more i like it every time it's like so unbelievably fun um yeah i i don't know i, I don't know if i call brian bosworth a good actor but like something about him i like and i don't know what it is i find him weirdly charming he's got I think he gets he has, the job done yeah he's got some kind of presence i mean he's got yeah. a wild look like that you know the thing in the nfl was like look how crazy bosworth is with his zubas and his, his hair and um i if love i had it. to
1: choose like between him and Howie long i'm going bosworth all the way oh yeah <laughs> you know still like
0: never seen is it firestorm, firestorm? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of fun but stone cold blows it out of the water <laughs> Stone Cold is, is just nuts. Every time I watch it, I'm like, this is wild. And yeah, the, the Baxley thing, uh, I've got the Baxley effect of doing, like, <laughs> I, I mean, there's, a, that, you could say that for all these guys basically is there's a lot of practical effects, a lot of practical stunt work being done. Yeah. Um, which I miss so much. And I love, um, obviously just kind of also a change of the times, but yeah, I mean, Stone Cold, the, the, the <laughs> I, I think it's a spoiler to say like at the end of, a motorcycle flies at a window and. Goes into a helicopter and it's all wild. Uh, it's like someone pointed out, I think it's funny about Stone Cold that Bosworth uh stops like nothing at the end. No, like he, yeah, he's late, no. he's- he has
1: no effect on the outcome of the movie.
0: It's amazing when they pointed that out. I was like, oh wow, okay, you're right, he does kind of show up, miss the whole thing, but then he he yeah. doesn't end up killing all the bad guys. But it's still like you were a little late, Bosworth. <laughs> but um, I love that he feeds his he has a Komodo. First of all, I love he has a Komodo dragon as a pet. <laughs> yep, like yeah and feeds it some godforsaken concoction of like every food he can find in his house and he just um, blends it all together and it feeds together. it to the dragon <laughs> that's oh. the thing the
1: the movies at this time you know the
0: action movies
1: like by the late 80s, early 90s, they started getting weirder and wilder and more eccentric. And Stone Cold is sort of at the peak of that. Like, I've I've long argued that 91 was sort of peak action cinema. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. so many great action movies came out in 91. And you get these weird ones like Showdown in Little Tokyo that I think I described it earlier as coloring outside the lines. And that's totally what Stone Cold does, you know, um, because you have filmmakers like Craig R. Baxley, who just doesn't totally either know what the rules are or doesn't <laughs> care what the rules are. And so he's just going to go for it. And,
0: uh, we just get so little of that nowadays. Yeah. That's a very true statement. <laughs> it's like another reason I want to celebrate these guys. Cause it's just a different time. I think a different way of working a different way of thinking about things and doing things. And, uh, um, yeah, I love when like stunt guys at direct movies. Of Course, now that I say that I'm blanking on anyone's name, <laughs> um, uh, like because I feel like they uh, are just doing some wild stuff that's like not conventionally what might be done, if that makes right. Sense. Well, it's the like,
1: most famous of them is probably Hal Nita, uh, yes, okay, I could, yeah,
0: <laughs> I'm who made on all those name.
1: great movies with Bert, uh, and those movies are
0: just so much fun, yeah. I just watched, um hooper for the first time this oh year. i love hooper and it's one of my favorite discoveries of the year so far yeah. <laughs> like i was like this movie is a blast and i i need to go on like a more of a uh, burt reynolds kick too and i guess i'll need him kick but um <laughs> it's so much fun I, that's i was like i love when stunt guys direct movies because they just they're just like fuck it let's just do it yeah <laughs> um so, yeah, I mean, Stone Cold also weirdly timely after some events that happened a couple years ago at the right capital was like, oh, I was like, Stone Cold is, is like predicted the future. But um Bosworth knew. He knew. All of them. <laughs> oh, and I should mention like another, I think, key element of a lot of these movies is like great supporting actors and some, as the villains a lot. Because Stone Cold yeah. has Lance Hendrickson and William Forsythe. Yeah. What a duo. Like, at yeah. your, like that helps a ton. When you have guys like that who are like really just solid um supporting actors who come in and just you know just nail it and it's like that helps kind of kind of help a guy like bosworth i feel like who's who's not an actor but right. when you put these great actors around him it definitely helps so um yeah it doesn't even matter that he's not that great <laughs> right he's with great actors so he's gonna be okay um yeah stone Cold is a, a, a blast uh, and um I, it's it was like a 1a 1b situation i i think you know i'm gonna pick action jackson yes holy shit it's like, how do we not get like three or four action jackson movies i'm very upset about this. It's
1: like jericho jackson should have been the shaft of the 80s man
0: oh man yeah that's it's it kills me i think there was some weird sequel that he made in australia or like it was like it's not a maybe not a real sequel, but it's supposed to be like, it's called like Hurricane Smith or something. I might be making this up. I don't know, but I swear I heard this somewhere. It's like almost like an unofficial sequel to, to Action Jackson, but it's not the same character. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to look into this more. I feel like I'm just... There looking. is a 1992
1: Hurricane Smith movie with Carl Weathers. Um jurgen proc now is in it
0: oh okay another great like bad guy
1: <laughs> oh yeah for sure i just mm-hmm. was watching beverly hills cop 2 before oh, we started recording nice. uh because we got the 4k and uh yeah he's a great bad guy in that doesn't say anything about it being an action no. jackson
0: maybe somebody called it a sequel. spiritual sequel you yeah know? Right, maybe that's what right. i heard but um Uh, Action Jackson is, like again, I'm going to say this a lot, one of just such an entertaining action movie and played like gangbusters at at this movie fest two years ago, I believe.
1: Yeah, I was so excited because, you know, (laughs) we picked 88 and I was like, I always try to pick at least one movie that I know not a ton of people have seen Mm -hmm. like that we can introduce people to and i knew action jackson was just going to blow the roof off just uh, from the sheer amount of breaking glass in the movie i
0: was like this is <laughs> going to play like yeah like you said like gangbusters forgot how much glass they break in that movie oh my god <laughs> any movie that ends with someone driving a sports car through a mansion <laughs> to go <laughs> kill the bad guy <laughs> is like listen automatic like uh, a plus in my book like it's yep. <laughs> um he uh, carl weather's is like an insane it's like a person that shouldn't exist because you see him, and he's like built like a brick shit house, and it yeah. was like he could punch your head off with like one uh, swift move. And but he's still again a guy I think is very like funny and charming and could do everything you ask for him to be the lead of a movie. And um, I never thought I would hate Coach so much, Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> it's like <laughs> he's despicable in actually Jackson, he's a great bad guy. Um, I think, I'm trying to think, um. I forgot Robert Dobby's name. I'm looking at the cast right now and it's like again
1: the cast is insane as you were saying you know where they stack these movies with these character actors you get Thomas Wilson and you get Bill Duke and you get Robert Davi, and you get Edo Ross and Mary Ellen Trainer in the opening scene like they get killed right away because it's a Joel Silver movie so of course they're going to show up and Carl <laughs> Weathers is like he's the opposite of Brian Bosworth in that like he's so charming and so charismatic and so capable as an action hero that you can build an entire movie around him whereas with bosworth it's like well we got to kind of lift him up and support him um action jackson is working kind of from the top down you know and uh he's so great that it it makes me sad that we didn't get more movies more not only more action jackson movies but just more like this was really carl weathers one mainstream starring vehicle shot in most other Hollywood movies in which he appears. He's a supporting character. He's Apollo Creed or he's uh, Dylan and predator. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been the lead in other movies, but they were like smaller DTV, whatever. Uh, this was really his one Hollywood shot. And to me, he totally fucking nails it. And I can't believe we didn't get 10 more of these, but uh, the movie wasn't a huge hit. I don't think, or just nobody, tapped his potential after this i i i couldn't tell you why
0: yeah i'm i'm baffled too and it, I mean, it looks like it made money it wasn't like it was a bomb it only okay. cost seven million dollars it made 20 i mean oh know, that's, yeah that's not I'm bad. sure it, it rented well i feel like you call it, it cost seven million dollars did you say that's what it said seven million dollars yeah i i mean look what he does for seven <laughs> million dollars like yeah baxley wasn't fucking around he's like I got $7 oh million. my god <laughs> he probably had money left over he's like let's run that car through the house he's <laughs> like i got some more budget to use um yeah, I mean I want more Carl Weathers action movies, I want more Craig Baxley movies. Um uh yeah, I I just it, I I don't it's I think I told us a lot where it's like it almost feels like people didn't know how good they had it and that's unfair because they don't know the future but it's like they were probably they're getting so many of these movies in, in the late 80s with all these action stars and guys trying to be action stars right that you know it probably we look back on it now we're like holy shit this is amazing maybe people were like ah another action movie i don't know but it's just it's uh, it's it carl weather should have yeah been a bigger star um i'm glad he still works i'm glad he's like you know in mandalorian you know i'm so happy to see him pop up in anything um but yeah i wanted him to have like a like a Schwarzenegger level like action career, because definitely, yeah. I mean, he he's right there with Schwarzenegger and Predator is like an equal. So yeah. I, you know, it's it's wild. Um, he's directing
1: Mandalorian too, right? Didn't he direct? I
0: yeah, I believe he directed
1: an episode. Or do I have? Yeah, he
0: did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, Carl Weathers is wonderful. I'm glad he's still. I'm glad he's still out there doing stuff. Um so, yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, yeah, and like I said, the other, I guess, the third Craig Baxter movie to mention even is I Come in Peace slash Dark Angel. I still don't know what to call it, but uh, which, which is good. Um, I, I always know. knew it as I Come in Peace. Okay. I never knew it as Dark Angel. Gotcha. Okay. Um, we, yeah, this time I liked it more than I ever liked it. It's a insane plot about aliens coming to get heroin flick <laughs> from, from people and and yeah, Dolph Lunger running around with his like, kind of nerdy... Uh, sidekick and (laughs) fighting these aliens and uh yeah yeah and a lot of explosions i was shocked i was like my god they just were chucking explosions out in this movie like like non-stop it's just like well baxley was like throw some explosions at it so that'll work so um i don't know it's it's fun but i would i would definitely prefer um action jackson and and stone cold because Uh, But a triple feature of those would be a great time. Holy cow! Would that be a fun night at the movies? (laughs) That's a good night at the movies. New Beverly needs to do a a Baxley night over there. Yeah, they do. (laughs) Oh, do it up. So, um, yeah, I that's I guess that's all to say for Baxley because that was his his run of the shortest run, but a a very good run nonetheless. Yeah. So, um, okay, who who do you want to go to next?
1: Um. All right. So next, I'm going to go with. I guess the guy I would consider to be my least favorite of the, that guys on this list. And that is Chicago's own Andrew Davis.
0: You know what? He's kind of my least favorite too, but go ahead.
1: (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, (laughs) I mean, he's got some good, uh, he's got some good ones in his filmography and uh, he just, his most famous movie, like, doesn't do a lot for me. Oh, okay. Um, he's, you know, obviously big for making Steven Seagal a movie star. He is the only <laughs> director on this list to be nominated for an Oscar.
0: I was going to mention. That. Yeah, or that's...
1: talked about at the Oscars, right? At yeah, all. A
0: movie nominated for Best Picture. Like I don't think any yeah, other guys right. have that on the list. <laughs> like that's
1: because come... they fucked up with L. Lester because <laughs> that dude should have should have been up nominations. Yes. <laughs> Come on. Oh. Dolph Lundgren's dick. Best supporting actor. <laughs> um, anyway, so oh. my pick for Andrew Davis is not a Seagal movie. I'm going to go with my favorite Chuck Norris movie from 1985, and that is Code of Silence. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: A movie I've seen and don't worry much about, honestly. <laughs> I'll know. tell you what. Up until
1: okay. the ending, when it introduces like a robot sidekick... <laughs> uh, <laughs> It is fucking great. Like, I'm not a big Chuck Norris guy. There, I can count the Chuck Norris movies I like on one hand and probably less than that. Um, <laughs> Code of Silence is my favorite Chuck Norris movie. Um, it's probably the one I put on less because I probably put on Invasion USA more. And Joseph Zito, mm-hmm. I know, was in our like also rans for right. that guy directors, because yeah, he is a great pick for that guy. Um but Code of Silence just uh, again another Chicago movie. Um, Chuck Norris's you know stiffness kind of actually works for him. Henry Silva plays a really good bad guy, obviously because he's Henry Silva. <laughs> There's a great sequence on top of a train where you can tell that it's Chuck Norris like doing the actual stunt. Um, and that's the thing about Andrew Davis; he doesn't deliver like wall to wall the way that some of these other guys do, but he's big on set pieces. Um, And his set pieces are generally really strong. Mm. Um, Code of Silence has a handful of really good set pieces. And again, unfortunately, at the end, it gives some screen time over to this weird little robot drone thing that becomes Chuck Norris. No memory. (laughs) How did I forget it? It's because the movie is like, oh, this is so grounded. This is so good. This is Chuck Norris, like really elevated. (laughs) What the fuck is this robot doing in this movie, and why is it ruining Code of Silence?
0: <laughs> oh man, I kind of want to see it more again now. That yeah, yeah, I no, know. I don't blame you. It's uh, I, this is I'm sure this happens to you. Uh, you watch my movies. I I I have it rated that I've seen Code of Silence. I have no memory of it besides that it was chuck norris in chicago yeah that's all i remember like. that literally happens to me all the time where okay. i'll watch a movie on
1: letterbox and i'll it will say that i've seen it i'm like you've got to be kidding me i saw this movie <laughs> and like i've only had letterbox for a few years which means right. i saw this movie three years ago and it might as well be brand new to me
0: right I'm like don't lie to me letterbox i did not watch this movie <laughs> but yeah i i have a few of those that code of silence falls in that category um Almost rewatched it for this. I guess I should have because I, again, no memory, but it's uh, Andrew Davis is a weird one because I put him on the list of six. I don't exactly remember why, but it was like the one that I, <laughs> I, I think, because he's from Chicago. That's, that's probably one. what it was. I was like, hey, Patrick's from Chicago. He's got <laughs> Chicago. There they go. Um, you all have to like each other, right? <laughs> you know? Pretty like much, yeah, that's the sticks. rule. Yeah, you all stick together. Um, uh, Chicago people stick together. So, and a guy yeah. who's like born there, uh, shot like multiple movies there. Um, yeah so that probably played a part in it and i thought he was interesting because he has like a pretty standard like that guy run even starts with a horror movie um goes into the action movies uh, then has the fugitive which is like a like we said kind of weird because it's oscar nominated and yeah. all this stuff and i'm very curious about this he has a movie to follow up the fugitive that i've never <laughs> heard of until no, i Oh really? At this. I remember it coming out. I figured it must have been a big deal. It's follow to the fugitive it's called steal big steal little um looks like it's unavailable to rent anywhere um but uh has a horrible ndb rating i i what is this movie even...
1: it's his blank check movie it's okay, like his that's... passion project that he got to make because the fugitive was so popular i never saw it i just know it features dueling andy garcias
0: <laughs> wow what a that sounds like a treat i don't know how this <laughs> um yeah a movie i've never heard like how have i not heard of his follow-up to the fugitive with with stars in it with you know people i've heard of but um i was blown away when i saw that was his and it did oh my god it cost 35 million dollars and made three yeah (laughs) nobody went to see that movie oh that's that's a that's a hard fall off that's what i was kind of really curious about i'm like how do you fall so far from the fugitive to this movie that no one saw and no one seems to like and um and then after that, he does some more stuff. Chain reaction which I Still still not seen. <laughs> it's not good. OK, <laughs> I was so uh, excited for it. And it does not work. Oh, that's upsetting. Uh, collateral damage with Schwarzenegger, which I may have seen years ago. Uh, I have no memory. I know it was like a weird it was a controversy because it was like the first movie to deal with terrorism. Yeah, that it was got like, delayed, I think, because of oh, 9/11. that's what it was. And they made holes. This is another, I forgot about this. This is not the example I was thinking of earlier, but he did with a kid movie, which yeah. apparently is well liked and I think did well. But um, what a shift to go to this Elijah Wood, or not Elijah Wood, which he's Shia LaBeouf <laughs> uh, kid movie. Um, and then after Holes, he makes The Guardian, and then literally nothing after The Guardian. It's but been... let's
1: not forget that uh, his next movie is My French Horror, based <laughs> on a book by Gene Wilder. Like, this sentence doesn't make sense. Andrew Davis adapting a Gene Wilder book called My French Whore. Uh,
0: wow. <laughs> I had missed that in the upcoming <laughs> projects. Um, you know what? Well, hopefully he gets to make the My French Whore. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, hopefully Seagal's in it. Yeah. Oh, God. He <laughs> should get a medal for just working with Seagal twice and like coming out of that, okay? Like, Absolutely. I think mean, he got the Oscars stuff, so I guess that paid off. But um, uh, I'm – so – uh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> Your pick was Code of Silence. I didn't want to cut you off on that. If you're good on Code of Silence, I didn't even do my pick yet. Yeah, um, no, I'm good. Uh, oh, I'm, I, I, <laughs> now I'm kind of torn. I don't know why I didn't expect you to pick that one, but um, I feel like most people think Fugitive is his best movie, and it's very good. It may shock you to learn that I just watched *The Fugitive for the first time last year. It was very late to the Fugitive. Yeah. Um, I really like Above the Law, but I, I'm going to go with Under Siege, which I think is the other kind of obvious pick from... Andrew Davis my runner up yeah yeah I mean under siege is pretty damn great I mean again talk about like okay we've got Seagal who's like a sentient block of wood but (laughs) we've got all these great guys around him Gary Busey and Tommy Lee Jones um I'm trying that might be two good guys but he's got those two guys (laughs) those two guys alone it's like you don't need anybody else uh I mean because they are going for it um I don't know why I thought of Tommy Lee Jones as a a subdued actor when I was younger, because then I watched stuff like Blown Away and Under Siege, even Batman Forever, where Tommy Lee Jones really goes for it. I think I said he's like kind of sleepy, but he's not a lot of time. Well,
1: he right in something like The Fugitive, he is super subdued and, you know, he wins the Oscar for that movie and kind of gets typecast based on that movie. And so we tend to watch him as like grumpy. But yeah, when he goes full ham, like when he's Two-Face or when he's uh, in, in Under Siege, you know, or, or blown away, as you pointed out, like he can be real goofy and not great. Like, I think <laughs> Under Siege is probably the best example of that, of him hamming it up and having fun. And it works to the movie's benefit as opposed to detracting from the movie, which I think it does in the other cases I named.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think we even talked talk about his accent in Blown Away. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason we didn't talk about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was like, what is going on? Is he doing the Lucky Charms, Leprechaun? 100%. I was, yeah, that was something. There's a but... lot of
1: stuff in Blown Away where it's just like, let's play a U2 song because Irish. It's like, all right, guys, come on.
0: Oh, it's like, that's the only Irish band we know. So U2. Exactly. <laughs> so, um I mean, under siege. I'm sure a lot of people have seen under siege. I would say I don't. I, I think it's got to be Seagal's biggest box office success, um, which I'm sure. Yeah, this seems to be his kind of crowning achievement. Yeah, it made 156 million dollars. Wow, boy. that's more than I thought. Um, <laughs> so yeah, huge success. I'm sure that helped get Andrew Davis a job on Fugitive. Um, uh, and I think it's. I, I probably. I don't know. I was like, I probably have Seagal movies that I'd rather throw on. Under siege is great, but there's a couple where I might throw them on before under siege, but. Um, I don't think they've ever he's it's probably the best vehicle he was ever in for himself. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's really well made by Andrew Davis. The, of course, Tommy Lee Jones and Gary Busey is the bad guys is like chef's kiss. Um, like, <laughs> um, I love if they again give this is a lot of Seagal movies that give him the backstory of like he's the most dangerous man ever and he's had all these credentials like um but he's just a chef now you know watch out but he also (laughs) was like an army ranger and you know other things and um I mean he's you know he's pretty he's good in it um because as good as Seagal can be because Seagal this is a weird thread too with a few of these there's another guy we haven't mentioned yet who movie. Seagal is so weird because like I, I watch him and I feel like I know he's not good and he's not a good person from everything I've ever heard. No, but no. for some reason I really enjoy most of his like early movies. So oh, I do too. Absolutely. Give the directors a lot of credit, I guess. And I just, yeah. I don't know, like it's, it's interesting because of what I know about him now to watch him, but I'm still like, I can't resist the the, the Seagal movies. I don't know. But um, yeah, Under Siege. I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it. I don't want to say about it because it's Under Siege. I feel like everyone's seen it, but um it's pretty great um it's again kind of a i guess kind of a diehard riff i mean there's a lot of those after diehard like diehard on a on a a boat but yeah and it's uh, one of the
1: best i think of the diehard
0: riffs absolutely oh yeah yeah for sure um so yeah i almost went above the law and then watch rewatching above the (laughs) law which was was fun but i'm like now undersea just is a little better (laughs) but um but yeah, I don't—I don't, I don't know—say about under siege, but it's—it's it's really great. It's—it's a—it's the probably the best Segal movie that they made overall. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, it's not my favorite Seagull movie, but I would agree with you that it's his best movie. You know, it's yeah. kind of the most commercial. It's got the movie stars in it. It's the slickest. It's the best directed. It's—it's it's got the most going for it, even if it's not my, my favorite. Yeah, that's—I mean, that's um, if you've never seen, have you ever seen his horror movie, The Final Terror? No, I... Davis is not Seagal. So oh, yeah, that would be something. I like, I does he play? Does he play the camera? Yeah, right. <laughs> Don't move.
0: Um, it's like to a vampire
1: movie that is unwatchable. Um, <laughs> what the hell? Uh now I have to look it up. Oh no, there's so many spell movies. A too. I watched I gave up after a while, but I kept up with like every Seagal DTV movie for a long time.
0: I remember you talking on in the th- podcast a long time yeah, ago.
1: Um I don't even know where to look it, because he's, he's so made movies. so many.
0: Oh, oh my boy. gosh. <laughs> um, With names you can't remember. Is it called against the dark? It is against the dark. Thank you. He, he plays a man named Tao. Just T-A-O
1: Tao. <laughs> it, it's it's borderline unwatchable, but it is technically a Steven Seagal horror movie. All of the big action stars have like one where they kind of dip their toes into horror. Mm-hmm. Um, Chuck Norris did it and Schwarzenegger did it. And uh, Stallone never really did, although he kind of did that serial killer movie, I See You.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Seagal's vampire movie sucks. <laughs> I feel like I remember a really funny story you told on the podcast a long time ago, on after this movie, about going to see a Seagal movie in a theater, which I was surprised it was even in a theater. And then you went to the bathroom or something and came back and could not remember the name of the movie because it was so generic. 100% that <laughs> <Okay>. happened. <laughs>
1: Like, I'm looking at the called? titles right now and I'm like, I don't know which one it was. <laughs> uh, hold on. I, it might have been Code of Honor, which how could I not remember something as memorable as Code of Honor? Is that the one with Craig Sheffer?
0: Yes. Okay, it was okay. Code of Honor. Wow, I'm glad that you you figured out which one it was because I'm looking at all these titles. I'm like, they're just, they're just changing they're out. They're interchangeable, the yeah. It's like, let's all use the same words but mix them in different ways, like uh, kill... Killbox, strike man I don't know. It was, it's like <laughs> Code of Death, or you know. Um... <laughs> the code
1: of Death totally sounds like a Seagal movie. According <laughs> yeah. to uh his IMDB, he above the law
0: two is in production. Oh, oh dear God. <laughs> I have <laughs> I to believe watch. that when I see it. Oh my god, is he 70 now? Oh jeez. Wow. I was surprised how it wasn't old when he got starting above the law, but like I think he was already past his mid 30s. And okay. uh um I was like, "Where would he come from?" Because he has no acting credits for Above the Law, and it's like they just put him in this yeah. like star vehicle. It yeah. just—it's amazing. I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know how you pulled this off, Seagal, but good job, like, <laughs> um, just to get a starring uh, role right out of the gate. But um, yeah, he's—he's he's, be a whole separate topic about Steven Segal. But um, yeah, Andrew Davis was the weird one. That was the one I almost pulled out of the list in general, but I—I I felt like it was interesting enough in the Seagal movies coming to think, well you know, something to talk about. Ace, a Chicago guy. and um, Absolutely. Yeah. He definitely hit like the highest, probably high of anybody with the fugitive. Well, there's, there's one of guy who had some pretty high highs, but, um, but yeah, we'll get, we'll get there. So, um, and isn't that amazing? Again, it speaks
1: to our love of these, that guy directors that were like, yeah, this guy got nominated for an Oscar. I have no use for him.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, it's like, no, I'd, I'd rather watch your Seagal movie. Exactly. <laughs> um, it's still great but it's like "Eh, i'd rather see these like i don't want your class c and the thing about the future i find fascinating when i found i was nominated for best picture and all these other oscars i was like this is not your standard oscar fare like i I didn't think especially now i feel like it's a movie that you'd see and never think it nominated maybe like an award maybe one award like best supporting actor or something but um but like yeah all the awards and stuff i was like best picture wow what a different they were probably surprised by that no oh, i'm sure
1: they were like really we just made a movie out of a tv show we didn't know right. people were gonna like this
0: <laughs> yeah um i just found that fascinating i was really blown away by that but um yeah andrew davis still interesting career so um uh okay we only have two guys left uh who do you want to go to next
1: let's go to our last initial filmmaker ah, yes. <laughs> and that is my boy dwight h little um yes <laughs> this was a real Sophie's choice situation for me because (laughs) he made my favorite movie in a long running franchise, but then he also made like one of my favorite action movies ever. And I was like, all right, if they were both in front of me, Which one would I pick up and watch? And if I'm being honest with myself, I'm picking up Rapid Fire with Brandon Lee.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Um, Again, Chicago-based, Brandon Lee making a a repeat appearance on this list, uh, this time in his first kind of Hollywood starring vehicle, another movie that just packs its cast with recognizable great character actors like Raymond J. Barry and, and... and zima and powers booth and of course al leong makes an appearance because it's an action movie in the 80s or 90s and so he's in there um and i just i think the reason that i'm picking it over the movie that i almost picked really comes down to brandon lee this is my favorite brandon lee vehicle i know people really love the crow and i'm all for that but for me this is the movie that makes me sad about what we lost when we lost brandon lee Mm -hmm. because i think he's such a fucking movie star in this movie um he gets to do a lot of things he's kind of a reluctant hero he's not in that early 90s mode of like macho swaggering action hero seagal man of mystery what we were just talking about you know he's just this like college student who doesn't totally want to get involved and just happens to be able to kick ass when he needs to be um i think dwight little handles the the action so well i think the set pieces are great i think he uses the city really really well as much as i love judgment night i think rapid fire is actually a better chicago action movie than judgment night because dwight little uses the city better than stephen hopkins judgment night could kind of take place in any abandoned part of any city um, whereas rapid fire really feels like it has to be in Chicago and uh, I just think it's a a great great
0: action movie that I love so much it's amazing this this definitely would have been my number one pick uh for sure but uh I I'm glad that you you love it too because it's it's so good again throw it in I've already said like two times but a movie that I I watch it every time I think it's better and better um I was thinking this time yeah I really miss Brandon Lee I feel like this is how I on earlier like a lot of these journeyman directors that guy directors like I think a lot of times the assignment was like can you make this guy a star and I really feel like he's doing that in rapid fire and I think he's doing a good job of it why right? you yeah. I think he's like he, I, I was like Brandon Lee gets to everything in this movie he, he there's drama he gets tons of action uh, he gets a love scene <laughs> like can't a lot find of, my way yeah <laughs> was a lot of the, licking in that love scene uh that <laughs> classic that's a weird
1: song to play over a love scene can't <laughs> find my way but you know
0: you it do works, you rapid fire I yeah <laughs> i guess it works um <laughs> he gets to be kind of funny he's i mean it's like i'm like this guy's doing everything like this is such a great like yeah. star vehicle um uh i love i don't know if it's like set in the movie or i read it somewhere but they describe him as a pacifist and i'm like he has to beat up and kill a lot of people. Like in this movie, <laughs> he gets pushed into a lot of situations. Especially that sequence in the like mob restaurant bar is so amazing, where the cops yeah. are on the outside and Brandon Lee's stuck on the inside with these guys. And there's just so much. I got a lot of broken glass. There's so much yeah, yeah, yeah. Like gunfire and like just this, this crazy shootout. It's all practical. One point they knock like a part of the floor down on somebody. <laughs> like. um, it's crazy. I'm like, I love all this like practical destruction of doing this scene, and uh, uh yeah, Brandon Lee is amazing. It's funny because like I just tweeted something off very randomly about like, oh, I can't sleep. I'm watching Rapid Fire. It was like the most liked thing I've had on Twitter <laughs> uh, that
1: movie's awesome.
0: That's what I figured. I was like, oh, this is great to see all this love for Rapid Fire because I just tweeted this off as like, you know, I didn't put any thought into it. And I was, and the, uh, I guess people just love Brandon Lee too. So. um, yeah. The crow is still my favorite, but this is moving up like every time I watch it. Power's Booth is so good, yeah. Yes, um, I really like Kate Hodge in this, it's like uh, Brinkley's love interest. Um, I never watched her show, which was like She Wolf of London or something like that. I don't know if you ever saw it. Oh, I never even heard of it. I, I had just watched okay. her in uh, Leatherface Text Change on Massacre 3. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, Kate Hodge, and I just think she's uh, pretty, you know, pretty great. Um, the bad guys are great, and that she mentioned. Al long? who I'm surprised has not come up yet, because he's like, I don't know if he's in his, he's like a staple of. He's definitely or... in Action Jackson. I can't okay, say for yes. sure
1: that he's in any of the
0: others, but he's definitely in oh, Action Jackson. Because there's so much diehard crossover into Action Jackson, right? Like yeah. a lot of the same actors. Yeah, that's, I <laughs> forgot about that. Um, So many great set pieces and rapid, like so many great fights. Um, I do like the way Dwight H. Little shoots the fights. I feel like I was appreciating like how clean it's done. Like yeah. it's, he shoots it very well, because that's definitely also a problem these days is like people don't shoot action very well that much anymore like in mainstream type movies and um i guess it helps too brandley could actually do a lot of this stuff as far as i know so um yeah rapid fire is just a movie that i love so much and i agree with you that i'm like man i wish we had more brandley movies because i would have loved to see what you know what he went on to do i really i think his career could have gone in so many different directions like i don't know what he would have been doing like would he still been starring and stuff? Would he move away? From, I think he could have moved away from action, and done other things. I think he was very talented in that way. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Rapid Fire is like, yeah, the, it's. I figured that'd probably be your pick, but I was, I, I'm so glad we're talking about because I was like, I watched it and I was like, we could do a whole podcast on a Rapid Fire. <laughs> yeah, like, for sure. No, it's oh, so good, it's so good. Um, oh boy, now what am I gonna pick? I had, a, <laughs> I had my backup, and I'm looking at his filmography. And I'm like, well, oh, I do because I, I kind of thought you'd go Halloween Four. Sure. I know you're a Halloween Four guy. I'm also a Halloween Four guy because it it nails that atmosphere of yeah fall and and Halloween and everything. And uh, I just have so much fun with it. Um, I like his Phantom of the Opera with <laughs> with uh, Robert too. England. Okay, yeah. Uh, my friend Ken has been here, showed me that, and I was like, "Well, this is a blast! Like, this is a great time! Like, uh, Robert England going nuts. I love it." Um, but I will go with one I did rewatch, and I do really like. Um, that's kind of insane as well which is marked for death. Oh yeah. The Gall movie. Um such a <laughs> I for, I could not believe that I forgot how marked for death kind of the place it ends up. Oh my gosh. With Screwface the, yeah. the, the villain's name is Screwface people. If that does, it's like he's fighting this Jamaican gang uh who there's voodoo I think involved. I don't, you know, it's probably it's like it's kind of all ridiculous but um Like Predator 2, it hasn't necessarily aged well in terms of like every black and brown person
1: is a drug dealer, but uh, it was the early 90s, unfortunately, and this is what we were being given in Hollywood, but yeah.
0: Yeah, and I was thinking there was some weird fascination in late 80s or 90s with voodoo. I feel like it pops up in a lot of things, and like, what was going on in the culture that voodoo was in everything, but (laughs) um, uh, I, yeah, Steven Seagal paired up with Keith David, Another yeah. guy that I love? Oh, my God. I, when he pops up, I'm like, yes, Keith David's here. We're all good. Um, and that scene where they are chasing out some guys and going to, like, a jewelry store, and they're just beating the shit out of them. Yeah. Like, Seagal's just, like, breaking arms. And, you know, um, uh, it's... And then the ending... I don't know if I want to spoil it. But <laughs> one of the one of the top five bad guy deaths of all time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know how... There was, like, a false finale. Yes. And then I forgot that there's a an extra section like an extra <laughs> parts of that and again like with firestarter earlier i was like hands on my head jaw on the floor because i hadn't watched it in years and i forgot and i was like oh it's like wait what <laughs> how they dispatch him it's it's wild like um Dwight H. little has like his movies have like almost like a a wildness i don't know, have like a an energy to them like that i can't describe like because i think they're there's it's unhinged might be too i don't know because like <laughs> marked for death and like the family opera um have especially have like these very over the top elements uh, yeah. in them like um i don't know i i do love like the energy he brings rapid fire again like totally energized like no fat on it um so good um and mark for death is super fun another like yeah, Seagal like, you know not great, but he's like he gets the job done. He's still like believably like kicking people's asses like left and right. Um, uh, yeah, I mean again, if you haven't seen Mark for Death, people just go watch it because the the the, uh, the bad guy death is worth it alone. And um, oh, I forgot the Halloween Four connection because Daniel Harris is in Mark yeah. for Death as well. Yeah. Um, but Halloween Four also a movie I love a lot, and I revisit it. In the Halloween series, I don't think I revisit any movie more the original I revisit every year, but Halloween four is the one I go to like next. That's like my that's my okay. other like October. I gotta watch Halloween one, I gotta watch four. Um yeah, 4 is a blast. So I Dwight h Little, that's the guy I mentioned earlier, too, who does Mark for Death, Rapid Fire, and then Free Willy Two. Yeah. <laughs> like which I mean good for him, because I think it was a hit and that's a big opportunity. And I feel like Adam Risky's a fan of Free Willy too.
1: Uh, I believe so. Um it's got say, free
0: though. willy in the title, he's a fan. <laughs> he's he's there i gotta ask me he feels about free willy three because i don't know <laughs> i remember that one um i really want to watch this one for the podcast i didn't get a chance have you seen murder at 1600 yes i have how how is that because i feel like i don't really want to talk about that but well I- first of all it's the address that
1: changes all the rules but secondly <laughs> it's not that great okay <laughs> as much as i love wesley snipes um It was a real like Dante's Peak Volcano situation because it came out around the same time as Absolute Power, I want to say, which is also about a murder at the White House involving the president. And uh, Absolute Power is probably the better movie because you've got Clint Eastwood and Gene Hackman working opposite one another. Um, I would need to re-watch it because it's been a minute since I saw it. But uh, I remember not loving it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he goes on to do just insane amounts of television oh my god yeah (laughs) and then he made a a movie a couple years ago called the last rampage with robert patrick and heather graham that's pretty decent oh okay Um, Yeah. robert patrick is just kind of a scumbag and it's about his he breaks out of prison and it's about his family and it's based on a, a true story i believe and it's it's not bad it doesn't have that sort of unhinged quality that you're describing with dwight little's better movies <laughs> but in terms of like oh okay this guy can still put a movie together he still knows how to do this mm-hmm. um i think it holds up better than some of like marco lester's later work like his sci-fi stuff um i wish he could get back to making genre stuff you know he, he's mostly working
0: in tv now yeah i see that it's weird too because like he had a couple times where he doing tv and he pops up with a a feature, I forgot he did the Anaconda sequel, the Hunt for Blood Orchid, which I and it's not good. Don't think I saw it. Yeah, I haven't heard good things. And no, then he it's did really not good. I don't think this was theatrical, but he did a, a Tekken movie. I don't know if you heard the video game Tekken. Um, I've heard of Tekken, but I know nothing about Tekken. Which I was kind of curious because that should be like all fights because it's a fighting game. So it should just be oh, like okay. people having one-on-one fights, which <laughs> I mean, he shoots fights very well. So I was like, maybe let's check that it's out. It's written
1: by Alan McElroy, who wrote Halloween 4 and Marked for Death, like oh. his, his, his frequent collaborator. Okay, um, It's got some names I recognize in it, including Gary Daniels, but no, I haven't
0: seen him me neither i i thought i'd him on the list but i was like i kind of ran out of time and i was like we do the movies talk about but uh i'm kind of curious now but yeah he kind of popped up with some stuff and then but yeah tv has been his bread and butter for yeah the last 20 years so good for him i see at some point also he dropped the h from his name which is uh a little upsetting dwight i don't right <laughs> maybe that's lose- when it fell off for him huh <laughs> you lost the h and you lost your uh your mojo um yeah, I knew he was this was probably the first guy I put in the list too, because I know he's your boy. So I was yeah, like that. he he might be my favorite that guy director. He's he's pretty great. Um it's probably of the guys we're talking about, like him or Stephen Hopkins, maybe. I don't know. Like I really I like all these guys, but th- yeah. those two are, are pretty great. Um, um man, okay. I guess we're already at the last guy. So I will let you um get, do the honor here. And uh who's the sixth man here? <laughs>
1: six man is uh another guy who got his start in the nightmare on elm street franchise i mean he made a movie before that but mm-hmm. um he kind of came to fame with the nightmare on elm street Four dream master before being handed the reins of a giant action franchise uh, and that is one rennie harlan who is another guy who's made a lot of movies i like and then started making a lot of movies i either wasn't crazy about or didn't see uh, I have to admit, I have not kept up with Rennie Harlan's filmography. So, like, I never saw Skip Trace. Mm-hmm. I never saw, um, what was that? Christian Slater, Mind Hunters
0: or whatever. I watched Mind was. Hunters for this. Um, you did? Okay. <laughs> I, it was on HBO Max. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> it's, I. I I kind of liked it. It, it, it uh, Patrick. It's one of the most ludicrous movies I've seen <laughs> in a very long time. Like, suspend all disbelief of anything, and uh, it's it's almost I don't know how to describe it. It's like almost like Saul, but but with a bunch of FBI investigators on a deserted island together, and there's just a lot of it's shockingly gory. I was like, okay. oh, it's going back to his horror roots, and yeah. a weird cast of like Val Kilmer, Elle Cool J, Christian Slater. Um, Clifton Collins, Jr., J- J- Johnny Lee Miller. <laughs> like, um, wow. I was I kind of was into it. Like, I'm watching it going, this is absurd. Like, this <laughs> is, like, none of this. I don't think if you stop after the movie, if you check back. It's like if you kind of go through how things happened, you're like, I don't think any of this checks out. But as you're watching it, I thought pretty entertaining. <laughs> so right. with that caveat, I kind of tentatively recommend But
1: I fell off around 12 rounds. I think that was the last new movie he made that yeah. i've seen i didn't love 12 rounds um no i didn't either i'm more okay. of a the marine guy if i have to choose and between I haven't the, seen two. the marine um,
0: marine's pretty fun in like a real dumb way okay that's. <laughs> i kind of like john cena as a um well just a movie star in general but i, I think he's actually better at comedy I another try to put him as an yeah. action guy but yeah he's better with comedies but i you know i i need to see the marine because i've heard some other good things about it so um but yeah rennie harland uh the guy may have had, I don't know, it's him or Davis Davidson, the highest highs in his career. Yeah. Maybe. Um, but I, so your your favorite could be anything. I'm very curious what your favorite is.
1: It's tough because his 90s are pretty untouchable.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. I even like
1: the, the stuff like uh, Cutthroat Island. Like, fuck, mm-hmm. I'll throw on Cutthroat Island. I have a great time with that movie. Um, so it was between two movies for me. If I'm being honest with myself, there's the classy pick and then there's the pick i'm gonna make which is the adventures
0: of ford fairlane (laughs) you know i thought i heard you mention this a long time ago on a fs movie or somewhere and um i want to see it for this but it's kind of unavailable as far as i could tell i couldn't yeah
1: there's um you have to like import a blu-ray i think it's region free and you can pick it up fairly cheaply uh hold on i'm looking it up um I'm trying to remember where it's from, maybe Germany. Okay. Um, But yeah, the DVD is out of print and the U S Blu-ray is out of print. Um, But yeah, it looks like you can get like a Spanish or a German Blu-ray for around 20 bucks on eBay or something like that. So um, I recommend it. It's again, this is a pretty indefensible pick, I think, (laughs) but if I'm being honest with myself, like this is the movie that I'm going to put on um i think like like uh like we were saying with brandon lee and rapid fire i think if rennie harlan's assignment was make andrew dice clay a movie star i think he does it and then some i think dice is so great in this movie and i think it's such a great vehicle for him it's unfortunate that like they also have to shoehorn in a lot of his dumb misogynist stand-up like so, because yeah, the yeah. screenplay <laughs> is by Daniel waters and this who wrote Heather's and Batman oh, returns. And yeah. Yeah. He's like super subversive. And so there's all these jokes about it being a movie and jokes about like hanging a koala from a chandelier. And then they bring back the koala. He's <laughs> like, you didn't think we'd kill the fucking koala. Did you? So <laughs> <All> it's,
0: <right. laughs> it's a very
1: self-aware movie. Um, and dice really has the goods as a movie star, I think. And uh, the cast, the supporting cast is incredible. The music is a lot of fun. It's very much of its time in terms of it being, you know, sort of this MTV detective movie. So it hasn't dated particularly well, if you're able to see past that. Um, I think it's Rennie Harlan's like most fun movie. And I know that's saying a lot because he made like the movie about the smart sharks.
0: But <laughs> this one to me is the one I I have the most fun watching. Okay. I really got to see it. Yeah. Cause I, I think from you talking about it and what I've read, I'm like, this could be up my alley. Cause it sounds Kind of weird and wacky enough like and being an action comedy i'm not like i'm not a big Andreas clay guy but it's yeah. you know it's yeah. like it sounds fascinating um i gotta find that i go to get that blu-ray because i will i'll spend money on that because I, <laughs> I don't know who else is going to put it out at this point so um yeah i okay that's fascinating so um i'm now i'm stuck in a real conundrum yeah enough? this
1: is tough because he's he's oh, got a lot God. of really good
0: ones man also it's funny his career trajectory the beginning is almost exactly the same as steve hopkins yep. it's like direct a nightmare on elm street sequel get a sequel to a large action franchise right. um oh boy okay jesus um all right it's a bore i think it's the boring pick but i gotta do it because i really love it i'm gonna go die hard too yes fucking hey
1: that was the <laughs> other one i was going to pick and i'm so glad that you love die hard too because i found out there's a lot of people who don't and i don't want to know those people <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's uh it's weirdly not liked very much. I I I think it's very entertaining. Another weird situation, like a Predator Two Predator situation where like um HBO, I think, <laughs> just played Die Hard Two all the time when I was younger, hardly ever played Die Hard from I remember. So I watched Die Hard Two so much. I'd seen Die Hard One already. It wasn't like I saw this first, but um I got a real fondness for Die Hard Two because I watched it all the time. Like I was really getting into action movies in general and it's a very fun action movie. I never, I remember be, my mind being blown by the twist reveal yeah. of yeah. The, what's going on with like the bad guys and the blanks. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what a twist. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> blew my like 12 year old mind. Um, it's, I don't know why it's kind of not liked. I, I mean, I really like all the, the first three Die Hards. I, I, you know, Die Hard is still like one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. But I love two and I love Die Hard with a Vengeance. Um, uh, it's hard i can't even i don't know it's hard for me to pick but i could throw on Die Hard 2 anytime um Die Hard 2 again like just a great cast of people john amos and william sadler dennis Franz, like so so great um i love him that would be just screaming it uh <laughs> bruce willis the whole time <laughs> um oh god um what is the name of his like friend that helps him out oh art evans yeah barnes i love that guy um you know, it is I mean, it's kind of I guess people might get a little upset because It's kind of like a, a retread of the first one in a lot of ways. But, you know, I, I don't mind. I love the first Die Hard. So, you know, give me more. Die Harder. That's <laughs> why not? Um, How can I love the same it...
1: shit happen to the same guy twice? I mean, they come out and say it. They're not, you know, they're not right. bearing the lead
0: in this movie. <laughs> exactly. And I guess the third one, people can accept that more because like he's targeted you know, and all that, but it, like two, it just happens again, you know, but, um, and his wife's on one of the planes, but, um, Diogo two Also, I always was, uh, really messed up by that scene where I think the plane's like from England or something. And yes, yeah. Cole is the pilot. Yes. Yeah. And it's so, I'm like, they're not going to crash. Yeah. Oh no, they did. And it's so dark. And like the way Bruce Willis reacts to it, I always remember loving like his the way he plays it. Cause it's like, Oh yeah. John McClane is a, is a normal man. You know, he's right, not, like, right, right, right. he's not, uh, you know, like some superhero. He reacts like a normal human being to what just happened to And, um, it's super, I mean, I just think it's super entertaining. I remember being like shockingly violent. I think it's like more violent than the first one. if I remember, right. Um, yeah, they're right? stabbing guys in the eye with icicles, <laughs> and... icicles. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, uh yeah I I still again watching so much as a kid I was like yeah, Die Hard Two is pretty cool and I was surprised too that people don't love Die Hard Two um I don't know how to rank them I think it's like a what's the point you know it's like I love all the first three <laughs> Die Hards I'm not as fond of the fourth and fifth ones but no um, no <laughs> you can't you can't go wrong with the uh the first two and I almost man I almost went cliffhanger here because a cliffhanger is like so goddamn entertaining and like I love that it looks like it costs so much money Yes, (laughs) and they just spent every nickel of it. And the cast, everybody feels like they're playing up to like 11, (laughs) like, like, like John Lithgow, um, Rex Lynn. Um, Oh, what's there's one random like side, even like the side bad guys, like the, 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 uh, henchmen are like really amped up. I think the guy's name's Craig Fairbrass. He's like kind of a racist, guy who gets like thrown off the mountain i think it was. okay work. um I mean, he's everyone's playing it like they're just amped up like to an insane degree um and i was thinking like i mean this is clearly a stallone star vehicle but i feel like there's so much else going on that he almost gets swallowed up in that movie um it becomes like a michael worker movie at some points because he's like <laughs> alone with the bad guys and sloan's right. on his own um but i was like wow this may be like to me Cliff Hager might be Like from a technical perspective, Rennie Harlan's like most impressive movie to me. I don't know. Like he made a few more that are really obviously great, but like uh, the way they, the way he shot Cliffhanger and the way that it's made, I'm like, this is really well done. Um, Yeah. um, I did watch Catford Island for this. I was blown away at that. I'm like, wow, I just see the dollars. Like, oh, they lying. spent so much money. I mean, they bankrupted a studio on that movie, right? Right, they they killed uh Carloco, that's it, right? Um, Carol Co, yeah, Carol Coe, yeah, yeah. And I remember i I fell towards it multiple times, but I think there was a Paul Verhoeven Schwarzenegger crusade movie, yeah, it's like up next and they yeah. stopped any chance of that, and that breaks my heart, but yeah, it's okay. Cut Island's fun. I did read that, um, this is where something like Randy Harlan got a little full of himself, that I guess he was dating or married to Gina Davis, yeah. And I mean, the budget was. Out of control and they were ordering like cases of V8 juice. <laughs> Did you read this back? Sure. Like, they uh they were just ordering. I've seen things. Ninja Three, I get it. <laughs> That's what they're up to, all the V8 juice. <laughs> and I think um Matthew Modine said something like by the end of the shoot, they had so many cases of V8 juice that the whole it was just for Gina Davis and Renee Harlow, but then they were cracking open and just drinking V8 juice. I'm like, well, that's a good sign of how this production was just out of control (laughs) that there were cases of V8 juice left. We were just spraying it like champagne, I guess. Um, I'm a big defender of Deep Blue Sea. Sure. (laughs) Stupid as it may be. And Long Kiss Goodnight is wonderful. Like, um, it's kind of amazing to me that when you bomb as hard as Cutler Island, you still get a couple good shots. Yeah. like He still was kind of A-list. Yeah, that that seems like a career killer. But he recovered very quickly. Like, yep. um, and I really haven't seen much of his post two thousand stuff. I don't know about you. Like, we twelve rounds he talked about. Um, I forgot he was involved. I in never the whole saw year. his Hercules
1: movie. Yeah, I've I heard saw that's very bad Hercules. Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, I forgot he was involved in the whole Exorcist right. two thousand four whatever that debacle was like they made two right, movies which i or... still haven't seen either of those me neither movies. i i don't know what to do i'm like there's two different versions what, what do i watch? it like, seems like too much work it does it does and for not for enough a movie payoff. that's not going to be great right <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly and it looks like he's back to directing movies and i believe finland is where he's from yeah so i mean you know um I guess, you know, but the highs were so high in the 90s. Like, holy shit. Like, he just, he, he went for it. I felt like he, I don't know, his blockbusters really felt like blockbusters. Like, he, he really went for it.
1: <laughs> yeah. He's again, outside of Andrew Davis, he's kind of the most A list and his filmography interests me a lot more than, than Andrew Davis's, you know.
0: That's exactly how I felt. It was like they kind of have similar things, but I find Rennie Harlan more fun and interesting for some reason. Definitely. Yeah. um, And Nightmare Four, probably my third favorite in the franchise. Okay. um, It's probably one, three, four. And, you know, I don't know after that, but um, I think he, he did a great job with that. Again, I think he was in a really tough situation, if I remember right, with four. I don't remember. I think like, they all were like <laughs> working were. with their backs <laughs> against true. the wall because new line just had no money, but they wanted a
1: lot out of those movies.
0: Right. Right. I'm it's yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I will stick with Die Hard two, which people don't be sorry on Die Hard two. It's fun. <laughs> it's no, like, that movie is great. It's a good time. Um, I, well, I guess we are, I guess we're done. I guess that's it. So, um, uh, I'm trying to think everything else, but uh this was so much fun to talk about these these guys with you and their work and all this stuff. So um there was other guys I could have thrown in here, but I'd I like the, the six it was a fun six to discuss. So um I think
1: yeah. uh I think you gotta come up with a, another list of six and we'll do this again
0: because it was awesome. Oh awesome. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that now. Cause I think I had quite a few more. I uh um there were you know what's w- one I'll bring up really quick because I know we've gone for a while, but uh some because I watched Strange Days by Catherine Bigelow recently, which yeah. that was a bomb that kind of almost killed her career. But before up to Strange Days, she had, I mean, we talk about, we called it that guy, and it's all guys, but like Catherine Bigelow was a, a woman who I felt like was kind of having a journeyman, that guy, you know, that woman career, like, because yeah. yeah. it's near, near dark and blue steel and point break mm-hmm. and Strange Days. I'm like, what a cool, interesting filmography up to that point and then she kind of is away from that now but i was like she would have been cool if she if strange days had hit or you know and if if, you know she could have making movies like that because i just was like that's fascinating but um um yeah so i will lead into this for you thank you so much for doing this but uh this will drop a day before June starts and on F this movie will be June's Portation. If yes. I think a lot of people listening probably know, but if they don't, <laughs> this uh this is a great topic for June's Portation because a lot of these guys made. I would definitely say these are June's Portation type of guys. So yeah, um, like we have eighties Action Day, nineties Action Day, you know, and these are the people that made the movies that you'll be watching. Yeah, <laughs> I saw Stone Cold was I think the picture for ninety. It action. sure was. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I don't know if you want to do a quick like uh, if you want to sell people on June's Portation really quickly if they don't know or. Uh sure. June's exploitation over at fthismovie.com
1: is a month long celebration of exploitation and genre movies. Um, every day there's a different category. There seemed to be a little misunderstanding when we announced it on Twitter. People are like, oh, good pick for the 31st. It's like, no, 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 you don't have to watch that movie just because that's the picture we use. <laughs> right. Um every day is a different category. So there's 80s action, and 90s action, uh, Italian horror, cops, ninjas, whatever. And uh, so you watch a movie for that particular category. It can be something weird and exploitation-y, or it could be something super, like, mainstream. Um, it, the, the idea is just to watch, try to watch 30 movies in a month, you know, and have a good time with it. And then you go to F this movie and you leave a little review, or sometimes people do it on Twitter. Some people do it on Letterboxd. Wherever you want to participate is fine with me. Um, it's just really fun to see everybody watching cool stuff and getting recommendations and Kind of enjoying a certain kind of movie that doesn't always get its due, uh, like we've been doing on this show.
0: Yes, uh, yeah, it's very—it's a lot of fun. I really went hard the past couple years, which was easier because I was working from home right, <laughs> at that time. Right. I'm back in the office. I'm luckily only three days a week, but it does—it makes it a little tougher. But now I'm still—I I went like I think I did every day the past two years, um, and it was a ton of fun. Like it, especially like uh 2020, we were still like right kind of in the real like COVID was going on. It was a nice thing to participate with people and see what everyone's watching and like the themes so much fun. They kind of push me out of my comfort zone. I'm someone who really has a hard time deciding what to watch. (laughs) So it like really helps me go, okay, I gotta watch a sci-fi movie and I can narrow (laughs) it down. Um I'm also fly by the seat in my pants type person, which is kind of this podcast is made. But I, I, I have one day planned. I got the first day planned. I know what to watch after that. I'm going to I think I might wing it. I don't know. But that's kind of how I do it, too. Yeah, I have like three or four movies set aside
1: that I'm like, OK, I know I'm going to watch, you know, uh, the Blu-ray of Lucio Fulci's Contraband just came out. So I'm like, I'm going to watch Contraband on Fulci Day. But for the most part, I just pick on the day
0: yeah i really i can't i can't plan ahead even if i do plan ahead the day comes and i'm like i don't want to watch that anymore <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's, that's how i operate i'm like nah no nah, i made that decision yesterday but i don't want to do it anymore <laughs> um also i gotta personally thank you i know you did this on purpose but you put canon films day on the 18th of june which is my birthday oh so, you're welcome <laughs> i was like what a gift I'm like um perfect day um so yeah that's very exciting i am very excited for it. hope everyone participates i did see a few people i think on twitter actually that i follow say like you know what i think i'm actually gonna participate this year so that's always exciting yeah that's um, great The more the merrier yeah ton of fun so um but yes patrick thank you so much for coming on and doing this with me this was as more fun than i imagined it would be so anytime this was a blast awesome um well i'll go ahead and plug all people where people can follow you FS movie and that's going on all that kind of stuff so
1: yeah, the website is f this movie. The podcast is f this movie. New episodes drop on Wednesdays, and uh, we're on Twitter. Just add f this movie, or I'm on Twitter at Patrick Bromley.
0: Awesome. Yes. Um, and for our stuff, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at MapBlood87. Uh, you can follow me and the podcast on or no, sorry, just the podcast on Twitter at Film Feast Pod. Uh, me and the podcast on Instagram, which is Filmfeast, and the email I've been giving out more because I keep always forget. Uh, the filmfeast at gmail.com. Uh, email us with any ideas or comments or things like that. Um, and if you are so kind, rate us in the Apple Podcast store i don't want to call it anymore Uh, (laughs) Uh, but yeah give us a rating review appreciate it um and thank you all so much for listening so patrick thank you again and thanks everybody we'll talk to you next time bye